We want to welcome all those by way of television. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. We struggle financially and we, we appreciate your prayer support. And many of you do um, call and we do funerals for unchurched. We do weddings for unchurched and we do prayer requests for unchurched. I did receive a, a notice about a prayer request that I'm going to be pulling up here shortly. But again, it's a privilege that we come into your home by way of television and radio and other means, and we may be small in numbers, but we're really high in quality. And it's through your prayer support and your thoughts and your prayers. Our opening hymn today is Great is Thy Faithfulness. Continual prayers for Chris Larson and his daughter Michelle. We did bring Michelle home, but she was return to the hospital. I'll read that announcement following the, the hymn. So let us stand as we turn to our opening hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Purple Number 140. Periodically during the week, I wear Vern's and Peterson's vest. You know, sometimes a little warm, sometimes a little cold. It's kind of in between um, me, my chest warm and my back warm. So we also remember Vern Peterson and in the great legacy of our trustees and the Peterson family. So if you would please stand with me, great is thy faithfulness, purple number 140, please. Spring time and harvest, sun and near coaches above, join with all nature in Morning, morning. 
Thank you. You may be seated. Um, I have Chris on the phone here. Chris, are you able to share with us um, Michelle's condition? I did get your your email. Rather than reading that, I thought you could give us a little briefing of yeah. how. She's uh, she has a condition um, that's uh, the name for it is multiple myeloma, and it's a it's a blood cancer. And uh, right now, uh, her temperature rose up last night, and uh, we ended up taking her to the ER at midnight, and uh, they're trying to figure out what it is, uh, what infection she, she has uh, that's causing this temperature. And uh, it's, uh, apparently her immune system, uh, her kidneys were failing, and her immune system has flatlined. So they're giving her antibiotics and stuff now yeah they're still lab testing trying to figure it out okay chris thanks for that that most recent update and we're gonna have our praise song and then we're gonna go into prayer concerns for yourself and michelle and you're probably not gonna be at the omelet dinner today huh no no i'm at the hospital yes yeah so did you want us They're, they're listening to every word you're saying in television and, and radio, so you have all kinds of prayer support. Do you want us to maybe hold off, or would you like us to go to the omelet breakfast in your absence? Well, I, um, that's, that's up to you. There, there's good cooks there, you know. <laughs> Not just me, so yeah. I want to see everybody. Okay, well, bless your brother, and we'll talk to you again, okay? Okay, brother. Yeah, bye now. Our praise song, As the Deer, prayers for Kathy Krause and Krause. I grew up with, with Myron Krause. It was Krause, but they pronounce it Kraus. Red praise number 35, please.
we'd like to also mention that our scripture this Sunday is taken from Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. If you want to turn there and be in preparation as we pray for God's anointing on that scripture and the words. Father, today we bring before you many concerns. More succinctly and is the prayer of Chris Larson that he requests prayer that, as he mentioned, that last night they ended up going to the ER and Woodbury Hospital. Michelle's temp was, was high. Michelle is experiencing also more recently the death of her husband. Chris is, as we all realize, experiencing the death of his wife. And the many attacks they seem to be experiencing. Her temperature was, was high and she's on an IV intravenous antibiotic and fluids to try to break her fever. Chris, as he mentioned, he just got back to her house and, and he's waiting for a call in regards to some labs that they took and they're taking care of her little animals at, at her home. We also, Father, remember Kathy Krause. Pray for others, Lord, that have confidential prayer requests, death notifications. Pray for Clyde, who was former administrator of the Minnesota Twins, Twins Museum for his father-in-law. For many that will remain unnamed because of confidentiality, and but we pray specifically those names and faces and bodies and who have requested prayers. We thank you for those who call in and those who send us letters of encouragement. And we, we appreciate those letters. We appreciate those calls. We appreciate the prayers of people that uplift. We believe in the power of prayer. Pray for Tina, Mike's wife, that you would continue to have your hand of healing upon her. We thank you for a Sunday school class. Many prayer requests that were brought up at our Sunday school class. And we thank you for the, for the memories of Vern Peterson and many of our elders who have sustained this church for, by their financial giving and their prayers and their presence and service to our church. Pray for the Legion Riders omelet dinner today. And as Chris was looking forward to this opportunity to share his family with his other family, the Legion Riders, and the, the great pride he takes in all of it, United Methodist Church and the reciprocal attention we, we give to him in the midst of his loss of his wife, Katie, and his son-in-law, and, and the challenges that he's experiencing with Michelle and his daughter. We pray, O oh Father, that you would bless our scripture lesson today as we prepare to read about fruit and bearing fruit and as we ask ourselves the question do we take time do we take time to bear fruit or are we inconvenienced by the routine and the schedules that we feel we have to observe the rituals and the routines we create animosity and destruction in our prayer life jesus comes along and reminds us about bearing fruit taking time for godly things rather than worldly things Sometimes we're like the Levite or the priest who think we're going to worship or we're worshiping in reality in God's repertoire and we're bearing spoiled fruit. We pray a special anointing upon Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9 today. We pray for the chaos that's been going on in our country and throughout the world the last few months, the lack of leadership and the confusion, our military, our political rule. Rulers, they seem to be bearing so much ungodly fruit. We pray for China and we pray for Russia and United Nations and so many organizations that are supposed to be peacekeeping forces. And it's not the time to be in the military when we're not being supported for, by any direction. It's not the time to be in law enforcement when we see so many debilitating forces at work. The chaos, the confusion the lack of respect for our law enforcement and our military. We pray for revival in our church. We pray for revival in our lives, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14, that if, and that word if is a big, big word. God says, if my people, 
which are called according to my name, shall give up their wicked ways. Then I will hear their prayers from heaven, and I will provide healing. We pray all these things in thy name as you have taught us a, a form of prayer, of adulation, and loyalty and respect. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, our scripture lesson is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, if you'd be so kind to follow along as I read those verses. The parable of the barren fig tree. Then Jesus told this parable. A person had a big, large fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years, three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. And still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, sir, let, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and I put some manure on it. And if, if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. The first thing I noticed about our trip today was actually the verse before it. Christ had just said that unless you repent, you'll die. I figured that was important, so I wanted to mention it. God, of course, is love. But furthermore, he's also our judge. This fig tree parable should certainly lead us to this conclusion that on passing, when we die, we will be judged primarily on the fruit we bore to and on God's behalf as we lived. Never forget that God doesn't judge us Christians on our actions, our bad actions, because Jesus has suffered the cost and removed them from God's sight during our lifetime. But we will and are judged by the fruits that we produce for other people and God while we live here on earth. We will live and be judged by the fruits of spirit according to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I won't read that, but it's the fruit that God seeks in us and will measure by us our love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. In verse 7, we see the patience of this man seeing fruit. He has been visiting this vineyard for three years, just waiting for this tree to produce the one fig, but it didn't. He had not only been patient, but he'd even fertilized the soil around the tree. He was seeing that the fruit would actually come out of the tree and be born. Fertilizing the tree, he symbolized the love and care that God gives each of us as individuals to prepare for the perfection we will living with him in heaven. Many times we feel like we're always surrounded by manure. That may be the case. But consider this. It's troublesome and it's worried, full and, I don't want to say that word, <laughs> but that garbage that we feel. It may be allowed by God to train us up. He doesn't cause it to happen. He may allow it though for a very good reason, our perfection. Our problem may be the fertilizer God is using to create a more precious and holy us or you in preparation for your journey when you will be perfect in heaven. Just like this man showed attention to the fruitless tree, God loves us, and he may simply be nourishing us to accept something better and preparing us to bear better and juicier fruit when we get to heaven with him. To speed waiting three years for the tree to bear fruit, the man seeking the fruit went to the vineyard owner and was told to cut down the tree. Fruitlessness, remember this, Fruitlessness may invite disaster. Nothing good comes from fruitlessness. If you waste your time or your blessings and don't do something to and for God through yourself, you're just wasting what God has blessed you with. Fruitlessness may invite disaster. An apologist drew three useful conclusions from this thought for us to consider. Without giving, something that only takes can and should not survive. Number two, 
God gives second chances, not only second chance, but often many more chances for each of us to be with him. And the third one he pointed out was, there's always a final choice, a final chance that God will give you along with your final choice to make a final choice. You will get a final chance and a final choice to do the right thing. Thank you. Thank you. How was Tina doing? You let her know that you were thinking and praying for her. It used to be like 40, 50 years ago in congregations, and I would serve. I'd tell them about the trees that we planted. I've planted thousands of trees over the years. In one year alone, we planted 8,000 trees, and we had a tandem spreader of manure, and we would spread it, spread the manure around the trees, and it provided not only a sense of shelter for the the growth, the vegetation around the trees, but for for the trees themselves. And then just last year, we planted, hand planted some four or five hundred trees, spot planted them, and we put those fertilizer sticks around the bases, you know, to, to grow. And I oftentimes think of that. Oftentimes, you know, we would get up at five thirty, six o'clock, and we'd go and clean the barn, and during the time changes, you know, just gradually work in that time change before we'd melt the calls. We'd clean the barns, and then the cattle would get a little confused when you start milking. We have to do all of that before we would shower up and go to school. Sometimes during the athletic seasons, we'd have earlier hours because we'd get up and then we'd participate in weight training and that before we go to classes. And all pre- preparation of, of, of a good season, a crop season and an athletic season. The parable that we just have now read is, it's peculiarly humbling, humbling for, for us. And it it's, senses a, a charmingness into a heart searching among the truly spiritual. The Christian, the, the Christian who can hear it and not feel sorrow and shame as they look at the state of Christendom, as they look at the state of the world, must be in a very unhealthy state of soul. We learn first from this passage that where God gives spiritual, spiritual privileges, God expects proportionate returns. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches this lesson by comparing the Jewish church of of his day to a fig tree. Israel has always been associated with a fig tree, fig branch. And the fig tree is planted always in a vineyard. And this was exactly the position of Israel in the world. It continues to be. They were separated from other nations by the Mosaic laws and all the ordinances, no less than by the situation of their land. God had instructed Israel to be the the religion of the world. They were chosen, not because of their goodness, but because God chose them, because they were initially obedient. They were favored with revelations of God, which were granted no, to no other people. Things were done for them, which were never done for Egypt or Nineveh or Babylon or Greece or Rome or any other surrounding countries. It was only just and right that they should bear fruit for all the promises of God that God had promised them. And it might be reasonably expected that they would be more faithful, that they would be more penitent, they would be more holy, and that they would be more godly as Israel among the heathen nations. That is what God looked for. That is what God looks for in you and I. For the owner of the fig tree said, keep seeking fruit. Keep, say it with me, keep seeking fruit. But we must look beyond the Jewish church if we mean to get the full benefit of this parable before us. We must look to the Christian voice of the churches. They have the light, they have the truth, they have the doctrines, they have the precepts of which the heathen never here, and how great is their responsibility, and how great is my responsibility, and your responsibility? Is it not just and right that God should 
expect from us fruit, we must look to our own hearts. We must be honest with ourselves. We've, we live in a land of Bibles. We live in a land of liberty. We live in a land of the gospel preaching. And how vast are the advantages that you and I enjoy compared to the, the Chinese and the Hindus. Never let us forget that God expects, expects from us fruit. I've told you about the experience that I had with one of Putin's right-hand men, a general that was also a part-time professor at the University of Moscow, and a number of years ago we took pictures together when we were at an international conference over Desert Storm and Desert Shield, and I was asked to share some opening remarks, a benediction and an opening invocation, and, and he came up to me afterwards and he says that basically you and I want to seek peace and pursue peace. And he said, the only difference is that in Russia, we don't have chaplains, whereas in America, you, you have chaplains. And he said, the only thing I can see that differs between Russia and the United States is in the area of marriage. When some of our officers get married, they have very little counseling, they have very little church expectations, and we need that because many of our officers have gone through four or five marriages and divorces. These are solemn truths that you and I live in this day. Few things are so much forgotten by us as the choice connection between privileges and responsibility. We are all ready enough to, to eat the fat and drink the, the sweet and bask in the sunshine of our positions both as Christians and individuals of the United States of America. And we even even to spare a few pitying thoughts for the half-naked savage who bows down to the, the stocks and the, the stones. But we, we are very slow to remember that we are accountable to God, accountable to God for all that we enjoy, and, and that to whomsoever much is given, of them much will be required. Let us be awake to the sense of all these things, we are the most favored nation upon the earth. And up until just a few months ago, the number one superpower in the world. We are, in the truest sense, a fig tree that's planted in the vineyard. And let us never forget that the great master looks for fruit from us. We learn, secondly, from this passage that, that it is a, it's, it's most dangerous, dangerous thing to be unfruitful under great religious privileges. The manner in which our Lord conveys this lesson to us is, is deeply, deeply impressive. He shows us the owner of the barren fig tree complaining that it, it bore no fruit. He says, these, these three years I come seeking fruit and I find none. And he describes him as even ordering the destruction of the tree as a useless cumberer. Cumberer of the ground. And he says, cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? He brings in the dresser of the vineyard pleading for the fig tree that it may be spared, spared a little longer. And he says, Lord, let it alone this year also. And he concludes the parable by putting these awful words into the vineyard's dresser's mouth. If it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now this is a, a plain warning here to all professing churches, professing Christians of Christ. If their ministers, their leaders, their members do not teach sound doctrine and their members do not live holy lives, they are in eminent peril of, of destruction. God is, is every year observing them and taking account of, of all their ways. They may truly abound in ceremonial, ceremonial religion. They may be covered with the leaves of forms and services and ordinances. But if they are destitute of the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and kindness and self-control, they are reckoned useless cumberers occupants of the ground. Except they repent, 
Except they repent, they will be cut down. It was so with the Jewish church 40 years after our Lord's ascension. And it has been so true with the African churches and Asian churches. It will be so true yet with many others if it may be feared before the end comes. The axe is lying near the root of many unfruitful churches. The sentence will yet go forth. Cut it down. Cut it down. And there, there is a plainer, plainer warning still in the passage for all unconverted Christians. There are many in every congregation who, in, by way of television, I know there's many that say they would not have any worshipful experience because they are shut-ins and they're unable to get out by television and radio, and we appreciate the opportunity and the privilege to bring God's word to you. And there are many in every congregation and listeners who hear the gospel who, are liter who literally hang over the brink of the pit. They have lived for years in the best part, the best part of God's vineyard, and yet they have borne no fruit, borne no fruit. They have, they've heard the gospel preached faithfully for hundreds of Sundays, and yet have never embraced the gospel, the good news. They've never taken up the cross. They've never truly followed Christ. They do not perhaps run into any sense of open sin, but they do nothing for God's glory. There's nothing positive about their religion, their relationship with Christ. And of each of these, the Lord of the vineyard might say with truth, I come and I've come to you these many years seeking fruit on your tree and on your life, and I found none. Cut it down because it cumbereth, it occupieth the ground. There are myriads of respectable professing Christians in this plight. They have not the least idea how near they are to destruction. Never let us forget that to be content with sitting in the congregation or listening to a Christian message and hearing sermons while we bear no fruit in our lives, we show no sense of compassion and love, and charity, love and action. While we bear no fruit in our lives is conduct which is most offensive to God. It, pro it provokes God to cut us off suddenly and that without remedy, we learn lastly from this parable what an infinite debt, an infinite debt we all owe to God's mercy and, and God's intercession. It seems impossible to draw any other lesson from the earnest pleading of the dresser of the vineyard when he says, Lord, let it alone this year also. Surely we see here as in a glass, the loving kindness of God and the mediation of Christ and his mercy. Mercy has been called the, the darling attribute of God, power and justice and purity and holiness and wisdom and the unchangeableness of God are all parts of God's character and have all been manifested in the world in a thousand ways, but in his works and in his word. But if there is one part of his, God's perfection, which God is pleased to exhibit to all humankind more clearly than another, beyond doubt, that part is mercy. He is a God that delighteth in mercy. Micah 7, chapter 7, verse 18. Mercy founded on the mediation of a coming Savior was the cause why Adam and Eve were not cast down to hell in the day of their fall. Mercy has been the cause why God has borne so long with his sin-laden world and not come down in his judgment. Mercy is even now the cause why unconverted sinners are so long spared and not cut off in their sins. We, we have probably not the least conception of how much we are we all owe to God's long-suffering and God's mercy. The last day will prove that all humankind were debtors of God's mercy and Christ's mediation. Even those who are finally lost will discover to their shame that it was of the Lord's mercies they were not 
consumed long before they died. As for these and those who are saved, covenant mercy will be their plea. And now, in conclusion, we come to the question, are we fruitful or are we unfruitful? This, after all, is, is a question that concerns all of us most. What does God see in us year after year? Let us take heed so to live that Jesus may see fruit in us and others also. Father, this morning, this tremendous short parable that Jesus presented, but it, it impacts all of our lives. These verses and the meaning of them have, have called forth much ingenious conjecture from many commentators through the years. But the great consensus is that, that throughout all Christendom and all those who claim the mantle of Christ, as Jesus spoke this parable, during his three years, in the circumstances of, of his life, and those who would choose to follow him, one translator says, make void. And what comes to mind is a check that is written but is voided. It's not cashed because the fact that nothing is behind it to cover it. Father, behind our lives and within our lives, have we made the true decision to trust in the mercies of God, trust in the grace of God? Are we bearing fruit? For our Father in heaven, with every head bowed and every eye closed, those by way of television and radio and YouTube and other means of communication, are we truly taking time for God? And oftentimes it's, it's not the, the dog in the fight, but it's the fight in the dog. And are we truly conquerors for Christ? Father, may we truly re repent and may we move those words from our lips to our brain, to our heart. Pray with me, if you would. Dear Jesus, forgive me, O Lord, for my lack of fruit-bearing. Reveal to me, O Lord, the ways I can bear fruit for you, Jesus. Forgive my sins, my failures. Come into my heart. Make me more than a conqueror for Jesus Christ's sake. As we turn to our bulletins and our offertory prayer, as the ushers prepare this morning, would you join me in the prayer that's printed in our bulletins? Patient and merciful God, we bring our offerings humbly on this day, hoping they will bring fruit to the ministry of your church on earth. We ourselves have not always set our priorities to bear good fruit. And yet you are a patient gardener. You have sent saints into our midst to make the soil richer. Yet like the stubborn fig tree, good fruit has been scarce. May our journey this Lenten season Feed our spirits to bring forth the fruit you desire. We pray in the name of our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our offertory hymn is forth in the name, O Lord, and individuals that listen to our broadcast, Ethel Bartella and Bonnie Benson, they acknowledge their birthdays of this week. Purple hymnal number 438.
you stand, please? We thank you, O Lord, that we serve a very transforming God. We come to your altar this morning in worship and praise, knowing that in our giving and in our living, we have often just put in enough into our living of our faith and our fruits, so as not to impact, impact our lifestyle or cause too much discomfort. We have been reluctant to let go of our affinity for the things of this world, and in our attachments, we have often missed the opportunity for the transformed discipleship lives that you desire for us. May our offering of ourselves and our offerings this morning be an invitation to living a life radically transformed by your power, your love, your grace, and your mercy. We pray this in the mighty love of Jesus. Amen. Want to take us out? If we're ready, any other announcements? contacted the conference office too and I was going to make myself available. My son-in-law was going to be available because he was a sniper and that and we both felt after talking to the number of people we have our hands full. It's um, There's more than what fake news is suggesting to us, you know, the, the rapes and the pillaging and the destruction. It's so demonic. So demonic. I don't even want to repeat some of the things that I've heard. Let's go.